0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins, minister with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we welcome you to Search the Scriptures. We appreciate you tuning in to Search the Scriptures. We hope that you are doing so every day at this time. And we hope that you are being motivated, at least greatly, because you are realizing that you're actually learning the Bible on this radio program. We strive to do exactly as the name Search the Scriptures suggests, We get into God's word, we dig beneath the surface, look at it in depth and in detail, and yet we strive to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your personal life. We want you to do more, though, than just listen to a radio program. We'd love to send you a free Bible study through the regular mail. We send it all over this area and across the country, literally. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. We'll even pay the postage both ways. Why don't you have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready? We'll give you all of the information how you can receive that free Bible study at the end of the program today. We'd also love to have you come and worship with us and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. If you want to find a church that teaches the Bible, we want to encourage you to come and worship and study with us. Now, you're not going to find a band. You're not going to find a theatrical production. You're going to find a church that simply strives to be that church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. We'll give you the times of our services and the address of our church building at the end of the program today. We hope to see you soon. It is good to be here again with Dwayne Kennedy. Thank you,
1: Gary. It's good to be back on the air with you and with Dennis.
0: Yes, good to be here with Dennis Stackhouse as well.
2: Uh, Thank you, Gary and Dwayne. Always good to be with you guys and to, again, spend some time looking at God's Word more closely.
0: And if you are listening for the first time to search the Scriptures, uh, Dennis Stackhouse and Dwayne Kennedy are two other gospel preachers who work with us here at Sunny Slope. They do a lot of filling in for me when I'm out of town and uh, appreciate their soundness in the scriptures and also their being studious students of God's Word. And uh, it's been a pleasure and a blessing to be able to be with each of them on this radio program. And if you are listening for the first time, hopefully you will be able to quickly and easily tune in to the format that we have designed this program to take. And that is a simple format of trying to be... uh, friendly and and, uh, non-threatening. Try try to develop an atmosphere of where we're all just kind of sitting around the kitchen table together. And that includes you, our listener. And open up God's Word and see what it has to say. We want to teach God's Word in a straightforward fashion. And we want to be able to get across the message uh, in a way that makes sense for people's lives today. So it's a blessing to be here with both Dwayne and and Dennis, and uh, if you are listening for the first time, we pray that you will find this particular program and this style of program to be of benefit to you and that you will continue to listen on a regular basis. Well, guys, we are going to launch into a new study, and I believe this is one that is going to be very pertinent to virtually everybody who would listen. I think it's pertinent to everybody alive in the world today basically at least all of those who are old enough to know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness between sin and godliness because this is a uh, this is a subject uh, that that boy just relates to every one of us talking about that struggle that we find within our lives are you struggling inside now by way of introducing this topic, I think it might be good for us to think about how the devil has continually waged war against the church, or at least tried to work against the church. Now, I don't think it, it of late, has necessarily been as, um, maybe we, we might say, as violent or, or whatever as it was early on, and as I believe it probably will become again very possibly at least. But the devil has always stood against the church and tried to bring her down since the very first day of its existence, hasn't he?
2: Oh, That's right, Gary. And, uh, you know, you talk about, I believe you're right, that we in this country at least don't face the violence that we can read about in the scriptures. But I'm reminded there are other places in this world where people literally put their lives on the line to be called Christian.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. You know, Dennis, uh, I I have received correspondence, you know, from uh, a preacher of the gospel in a part of the world where he indicates they have to be careful. (laughs) They, uh, you know, have practiced baptizing people in the ocean. Uh, And he says, we have to watch out. To see if anybody is watching us, basically, was the indication, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and see, we're just not used to that here. No, i not. We're just not used to that here. But certainly at one time in the church's existence, in, those, in that first century, in the fact in the first few centuries, it was basically a worldwide persecution, wasn't it?
2: Exactly right. And uh, the scriptures do point that out to us.
0: And very violent. Now, when you, when you look at Revelation chapter 12, if we turn over there, and this gives us something of a sense of what we're talking about. In Revelation chapter 12, we find where the devil, with well, the background for the devil persecuting the followers of God Um, Dwayne, how about reading the first few verses there in Revelation chapter 12? We're not going to spend a great deal of time here because we could really get caught up in this uh, very symbolic language, and and this is very rich imagery here, and we really want to get to that personal struggle within each of us. But this kind of, I think, helps sort of establish the, the concept for us. How about reading the first few verses there?
1: Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a, man, a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Another child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260
0: days. Now, Dwayne, the woman here, and again, this is very vivid uh, apocalyptic literature, as it would be technically called, but very symbolic. But I, I think what we're to understand here is this woman represents the followers of God. And and as she's introduced here, we might think of her as the followers of God in Old Testament times. But then as she is about to give birth to that child, of course, this would be the Christ child, and he would be coming as the Savior, and he would be coming to establish the New Testament church, and there would be a transition from Old Testament times to New Testament times. Now, notice that there's another... There's another character introduced in verse 3 when it talks about this great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems in his head. Now, don't get all caught up right now in in the seven heads and ten horns and the seven diadems, but we're talking about a powerful force here, and this would be the devil himself. And I think what we're seeing here when it says in verse 4 that his tail drew drew would indicate drawing to him, I believe, a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And then the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. I believe we're talking about war in heaven, pre-historical war as far as human is, humanity is concerned. Before God ever created mankind upon this earth, I think we're looking back to that time, before that. And the devil apparently was uh, an angel in heaven. Uh, if, if we can understand this text uh, fairly clearly, an angel in heaven, and, and he apparently led a revolution against God, and of course was defeated in that effort. But in his defeat, he then began to make war upon or persecute Try to lead away from faithfulness to God whoever would be followers of God here in this worth, on this earth. Humanity, in other words.
1: This is a good study for us, Gary, in the sense that it depicts for us just how long and how great an adversary the devil has been. And we should not be surprised of the things that we struggle with and encounter here in this life. He has been in heaven, as you say, Uh, an angel and uh, fought against God and God's will, even there, uh, he is definitely continuing it here.
0: Yes. Now, he apparently tried to usurp God's throne. And verse 7 says, uh, what, Dennis?
2: War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought.
0: But they did not prevail, right, in verse 8? Yes,
2: going on to verse 8. They did not prevail, but also notice there was not a place found for them in heaven any longer.
0: So they apparently had had a place in heaven. And that, that's what gives us the indication that this was a revolution and uh, that they had been angels, but the devil was trying to lead a following and, and apparently usurp God's throne. Now, what happens to the devil and those, those angels who followed him in verse 9?
2: Well, we're told there that the great dragon was cast out. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were also cast out with him.
0: Now, notice he's described in the middle of verse 9 as who deceives the whole world.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, they, and actually, uh, the serpent is identified as the devil and Satan. And then, as you indicate, who deceives the whole world, which is certainly the devil's very nature.
0: Yeah, so we, we have no question about who this dragon is.
2: Not at that's all. That's
0: introduced in the first few, in verse three of chapter twelve, and it, it's the devil. And here, you know, <laughs> the devil and Satan both both com- most common terms used to refer to him. And uh, he's cast out, and the earth now is his realm of influence. Mm-hmm. He he does his work here now. No longer does he have any place in heaven. That's that's he's kicked out. And those angels who had followed him, they're kicked out also. But he has not lost his ability to do something, to to try to influence evil. And so now he tries to influence evil upon this earth.
2: As the deceiver, I, I think, as we're told there in verse 9, which seems to be his number one tool or number one weapon, so to speak.
0: Yes, yes. Now, if we read through the rest of chapter 12 and and it gets a little bit more uh, difficult just because of the symbolic language there. But basically, uh, when he was not successful, and you get that impression there of his waiting to devour the Christ child, you know, in the first few verses of chapter 12, and that, that conjures up in your mind King Herod, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his trying to to find this new child born to Mary and Joseph who would be the Messiah and uh, he was going to have him killed and of course God thwarted that. but see so, so that imagery I think it, it rightfully goes along with what we're reading here in, in chapter 12. but then when that doesn't work then he makes war. he makes war upon the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the saints uh, in verse 17. The dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, who who is it who keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus Christ? That's the church, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Right? So that would be Christians, Christianity. So the devil is making war, you know, on the church. Now, a great deal of of the revelation, I believe, Depicts that war or his efforts in that war. Now, in chapter 20, when, when we look at that, we find that he is restricted, that he is bound for a time. And uh, I think a lot of people have a misconception of what this binding is and what it's about. Uh, the extent of the binding and what it's supposed to, uh, the the time span that it encompasses and so on. But notice beginning with verse 7 and reading through verse 9. Dwayne, would you read that?
1: Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them.
0: Now, there's the, as soon as the devil is released after this thousand years, he goes out to deceive the nations. He gathers Gog and Magog. Now, these would have been traditional enemies of God's people going back to Old Testament times. And I think they're just used symbolically here at reference to the enemies of God's people. Uh, and, and he gathers them to battle. And what do they do? They, they encompass or they surround the camp of the saints. Well, who would the saints be again? The church. And so I think what we're looking at here in, in Revelation 20 verses 7 through 9 is the foretelling of another worldwide persecution basically against the church. Probably toward the end of times, if I'm understanding it correctly. Now, this comes at the end of this period of a thousand years of the devil being bound. But now, a lot of people they say this this thousand years where the devil is going to be bound. Well, that's going to be a time of uh, peace, I guess, and uh, spiritual opportunity. You know, and and uh, God, you know, a lot of people are going to be converted to Christ and so on. Well, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 20, that that picture is not portrayed there. Notice what what does it say there? Um, Dennis, how about reading verses 1 through uh, 3 there in, in chapter 20?
2: Okay. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while.
0: Now, the only binding or restriction that's put on the devil during that thousand years of being bound that is portrayed there is that he cannot deceive the nations any longer. Now, a lot of mm-hmm. people would say, well, yeah, that's right, he, no more temptation. That's not what it says. No. Mm-hmm. If you look at what happens in the other verses we read, verses 7 through 9, as soon as he is released, it says he goes out to deceive the nations again, doesn't it? And right. what does he mm-hmm. do? Surrounds the church again and makes war in the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's to depict that worldwide persecution that he had been restricted from pursuing In the first few verses of chapter 20 during this thousand years of binding. Now, again, a great deal of the book of Revelation portrays his war against the church using the government and the military might of Rome as his agents in making that war. Now, ultimately, we know historically, Rome fell. I think the, the book of Revelation tells us why, because they made war in the church and they would not repent from it and so god brought down Rome he would not let Rome bring down the church and if you if if we had the time to go through the rest of chapter 20 here and then the revelation we'd find that when the devil does get out of this restriction and he does go back and makes war in the church again god stops him again now the point being god will not let the church be brought down from without i think that's a principle that we can hang our hats on now, how does the devil then beat the church? How does he destroy the church? He has to do an inside job.
1: That's right.
0: And there's where we find these, the letters to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. There we find, and it's interesting that we find in five of these congregations to whom these seven letters are written... There's a warning. You better repent. Dwayne, what does it say there in uh, Revelation chapter 2? And uh, let's let's look at verse, uh, beginning with verse 4. What does it say?
1: Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from
0: its place unless you repent. Now, twice the church at Ephesus is told there, you better repent.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, Dennis, what about the church at Pergamos in chapter 2, and uh, what does he say in verse 16?
2: Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth.
0: All right? So that congregation is told you better repent. Now, now, why in both of these cases? Because there's sin in the, in, the, in the camp. Now, the devil was making war from the outside against the church. But here what we see is he's on the inside of these congregations doing an inside job. Well, what about the next one there, the church at Thyatira? And uh, where, where uh, what if we read here beginning with verse uh, 21, and read also verse 22.
1: And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of
0: their deeds. All right, now... uh, Again, a congregation that's got sin within, and the devil's working on that congregation and and bringing it down from the inside out. What about chapter 3 and verse 3 in the letter to the church at Sardis?
2: Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you.
0: Once again, then, that congregation also is warned, you better repent. You better repent. Mm-hmm. Right Now, we also read similarly at the church at Laodicea in verse 15 of chapter 3. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you or spew you out of my mouth. So five of these congregations, five of the seven, the devil's on the inside and he's doing an inside job. He's working on them from the inside out. Now, Dennis, I believe that's the only way the devil can beat the church. The only way the devil can can bring the church down is to get on the inside and work through the members of the individual congregations.
2: I think that's right, Gary. And uh, I was thinking about uh, what you'd mentioned earlier that Indeed, God will not allow outside forces to overcome the church. And it reminded me of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 as he was speaking with Peter. And uh, the statement I was uh, thinking about is actually in verse 18, uh, where following a confession that Peter made to Jesus, our Lord said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I think, again, another very clear indication that, as you mentioned, no outside force is going to overcome the church. It, it has to be an inside job.
0: And the only way the devil can get on the inside of the church is when the individual members let him into their lives.
1: That's right, Gary. Stop following the will of God. Allow division and strife to become the main focus and work of the church as we looked at in previous studies here on this program a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand
0: that's correct and in some cases it'll just be individual members who let the devil into their lives and they start living lives of unrighteousness and that can spread and there's that leaven that the apostle paul warned about in first corinthians chapter five to the church at corinth You've got to purge out this leaven. You cannot let sin stay within the church because it will have that spreading effect and affect more and more members and a larger, larger segment of the congregation. Now, that leads us up to what we really want to focus on beginning tomorrow, and that is the struggle within ourselves. We, we kind of laid groundwork here to set the principle, but what we really want to talk about, how, how do you deal with the devil trying to get inside your life personally? And how do you deal with that struggle within yourself to stay faithful to God when the devil is always out there trying to get in, trying to pull you away from God? So we'll stop here and come back to this next time. If you'd like to study these matters more fully, right from the Bible in the privacy of your own home, then contact us and request that free Bible study that we talked about earlier. You can receive it simply by writing to us at Sunnyslope Church of Christ. 3606 North 108th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68164. Sunny Slope, Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68164. You can phone us at 402-498-8397, 402-498-8397. You can email us at Sunnyslope. All one word S U N N Y S L O P E at Church of Christ. Again, all one word, Sunny Slope at churchofchrist.com. dot com. You can visit us in the web at www.churchofchrist.com, dot com. dot dot com. Click in the email link and you can make your request that way. And again, this study is absolutely free. We'll even pay the postage both ways. You can also receive a copy of today's lesson on CD, also for free, and again, we'll pay the postage. Now, we'd love to have you do more, though, than just listen to this program and even to receive that Bible study. We'd love to have you come and worship and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We'd love to meet you and get, let you get to meet us And observe a church that is simply trying to be the church of the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less. A church where you can really come and learn God's Word. Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30. Classes for virtually all ages, and all ages really do study the Bible. Followed by worship at 10.30 each Sunday morning. Sunday evening worship begins at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening. And right in the middle of the week, a good time to stop and get your spiritual batteries recharged in the midst of all the busyness of what we do every week, midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. You're always welcome to any and all of our regular services. We hope to see you soon. Until then, read your Bible and may God guide you and bless you as you study His Word.